0: Vida, Sister Prince. Today is Wednesday, October 27, 1993 and I'm interviewing Mr. Melvin Hamilton on his life for the oral history project Race and Memory in St. Louis. This is an independent study of mine supported by the Missouri Historical Society. Mr. Hamilton is showing me a family tree would you
1: like to explain some of it to me, Let me over here. Yes um uh, this is my side of the family. I uh-huh. did this mainly for my daughter when she was about one year old uh-huh. and this is her mother's side, side of the family okay so these are my parents
0: yes well William Picken Hamilton and Emma Jane Royster.
1: and that's what this is uh yeah, the history of the Roysters. Oh. And um, then my mother's parents were William Royst and Priscilla Mack. Uh-huh. And they? And my mother's parents' parents were Peter Mack and Julia. I do not remember her name.
0: Alright, so those would be your great- great parents.
1: My great
0: yeah. mm-hmm. Now, where did they come from?
1: Do you know? I'm not sure about them. Okay. I know I believe that they had been here all the time,
0: mm-hmm.
1: but now nice it's different with my— But family. I'm talking about
0: the city. They
1: oh, they no, this is, well, this is away from St. Louis, yes. Do you
0: know where it was?
1: No, I uh-huh. can tell you about my grandparents.
0: Okay, tell me about your grandparents.
1: Well, all of that is in uh, this. You can just mm-hmm. leave that and then have
0: Okay. It. Bessie?
1: Oh, this is no, Bill and
0: Bessie Royster were brother and sister and came to this country as slaves on the ship Molly Gasper from the island of Madagascar. So you, this really goes
1: way back. Then all these right. are descendants of the... Uh,
0: uh-huh. Who, did you do this?
1: Uh... All you right? It was done for me. Oh, you had it uh, My relatives, we had a family reunion several times, and they put all oh, that, so that together in Tuscaloosa this, and that's wonderful places. to
0: have. You're fortunate. All right. And, and on your father's side, you, you was also
1: Nelson Hamilton mm-hmm. and Phoebe Felix. Phoebe. I knew her. Name. Phoebe and Felix. Felix. hmm mm-hmm. And these uh, were my Their parents. grandfather's parents. Mm-hmm. I didn't know her uh, last name. Last name, and I was not sure about his first name. First name. Okay. All right. And these are my children sure. and grandchildren down here.
0: So, you had?
1: Carol Anita Hamilton,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and she was married to Harold You Wells,
0: had one child? Three. Three. Oh, Melvin here, I mm-hmm. see. Carol, Melvin, she,
1: and Philip. And she was married to Harold Wells, uh-huh. and they had two children,
0: mm-hmm.
1: Helen Carol Wells and Christopher Harold Wells. Mm-hmm. Now, my daughter, on this side, now these are my, my son, had uh, was married the first time to Harriet Taylor,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and he has a son by Harriet Taylor, okay. and his name is Michael Eugene Hamilton. Mm-hmm. And uh, his second wife was Claire McCoy, uh-huh. and this is my youngest granddaughter, I have six grandchildren. And uh, all, three, all three of my children are college graduates, and six of my uh, grandchildren are also college graduates.
0: Wonderful.
1: Now, she's just uh, born in 82. Mm-hmm. So she's 11. And then your son married? My son, Philip, so my second son, and had, was uh, married to Marilyn Ann Sy, but that's in uh, baden Rouge, Louisiana. Mm-hmm. He met her at Southern University. Mm-hmm. They were students there together. And they met and had twins. Mm-hmm. Now these mm-hmm. twins, Sherry is the older of the twins, but, and uh, she's working on her Ph.D. now at Purdue University.
0: You must be very proud. I am proud of them.
1: Mm-hmm. And Marilyn is working for NBC mm-hmm. out of Massachusetts now. Wow. Wow. Well. And uh, well. I should say Helene, I didn't mention Helene that's my granddaughter, and she was the oldest. Mm-hmm. And uh, she's working out of her, she lives in Virginia, but she works out of Washington, D.C.
0: And your wife was
1: Aileen? Aileen, that's my wife's name. We met in college at Ohio State University. Where
0: uh,
1: was she from? Let's see now, I think it's North Carolina. They were from, from the Creole states, most of her family. And, uh, but I think her parents, I know they lived in Kentucky later on, but I believe they were from North Carolina. Where did she grow up? She grew up in Columbus, Ohio. Columbus, Ohio. Um, All right,
0: let's, let's just tell me, um, uh, your parents
1: came from Tuscaloosa. In Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Well, my grand, my maternal grandfather, I'll say, stressed two things, that was education and owning property." So, my mother felt that it would be, we would get a better education by moving up this way instead of remaining in Alabama. So, they stopped in East St. Louis, Illinois, where I was born. And then they had, in July of 1917, they had a race ride. The next day, my mother moved us over here to St. Louis. So I began kindergarten over here in St. Louis. Do you
0: remember anything about the race ride?
1: Yes, I do. I was just, was five, but I remember opening the door, front door, and somebody was lying out in the street. Then I opened the back door, and all oh, it was on, from where we live I could see Broadway. But my father took us up to the city hall so that we would be safe. And he stayed there on the back porch with his gun. So it didn't bother any of our things. But uh, my cousin's home was completely destroyed. And, uh, and my mother just said she wasn't rearing her children over there.
0: What was it the city hall that was safe for you?
1: Because they had the uh, soldiers up there in the city hall. And they were protecting those persons when they came up there. We far, we'll you. I could see it from my back porch. Um, I have here a map of uh, East St. Louis. Mm-hmm. Uh, do, do you know what street you lived on? A division Twelve Thirty Six Division. Let's see if we can find it. Here's Division. Mm-hmm. Right here. When I was we lived at Twelve Thirty Six is right here. Mm-hmm. So we could from my back porch. Uh-huh. I could see Broadway, I and mean, the city Broadway. hall was right there.
0: You <laughs> <laughs> must have been very right?
1: No. No? I just wasn't. I, I guess I wasn't old enough to, to know. be too serious about it.
0: Did, did anybody uh, explain to you what it was about when
1: that race ride? Some says because um, they had brought in some people that were working for lower wages. I think that was the crux of it. I'm not sure. And so, I'd, and most of them were African-Americans, I think, and they didn't like it.
0: What did your father do?
1: My Minnesota? father worked at the packet house at that time.
0: Do you remember how you were treated? Um,
1: Well, we were just there. Everybody was quiet. People were worried. I could hear the crying and things of that type. Your mother was with you? Oh, was yes, my mother mm-hmm. and my younger sister. sister
0: the gone. Yes,
1: the next day she moved us away from St. Louis. And did your father come to you? Yeah, she left everything him to send over, bring over to St. Louis. How, she did you, left how did you come? On the streetcar, across the bridge. See a St. Louis, is just across the bridge. I can remember that, but it was street on the streetcar. Oh yes. In fact, to tell you the truth, when I graduated from Ohio State, that was in nineteen thirty five, there was so much that was said about East St. Louis that was negative. That I thought that I wanted to teach over in East St. Louis. So Father Clark, who's the priest of All Saints and for Church, he's past now too. So he took me over there and I made applications over there. But I never get the job over there teaching. I've always wanted to teach, and that's one reason why that uh, it took so long because I didn't have a master's degree. It took 16 years and my master's degree before I was placed as a teacher on probation. In the 30s, and then I was told at one time that I need more teachers. After you, after you
0: graduated after from I Ohio After I graduated State?
1: from Ohio State. I graduated in 1935, mm-hmm. and I wasn't placed as a teacher on probation until 1951.
0: And you went to Washington, where you I received
1: my master's degree from Washington, Washington. What year was that? 1951. 1951.
0: So, mm-hmm. so you had to do that? To
1: get I, I had to get my master's degree, but it wasn't true with the rest. I knew it wasn't true. And way back, I believe that you got things on your merit. That was the way I was I had wonderful parents, and uh, so I just worked hard. And then my father passed when I was a third quarter freshman at Ohio State. And I went back and finished that year, then I dropped out of school to make money. And I went to St. Charles and took the teacher's examination. I was 18 then. I, I graduated from high school when I was 50. I worked a year and entered Ohio State when I was 16. And went on? Mm-hmm,
0: 428
1: miles from St. Louis. You see, in those days, if you were an African-American male and wanted a college education, you had to get out of town. There was no school for African-Americans to, males, to attend in St. Louis. So I, wanted, I, was, I had some of the best teachers in the United States at, at uh, Sumner High School. See, I attended Sumner High School for three years, and then when they opened Vashon High School, Sumner became overcrowded. And then so they opened Vashon in September of 1927, 20 of us left Sumner, so there would be a graduating class at Vashon. Did they ask you to do that? No, we, we didn't have to leave.
0: But I mean, how, to, how, to, how to It was out.
1: your choice oh, they gave to leave. You a choice. It was your choice to remain at Sumner High School and get your diploma or transfer to Vashon High School. And why did you make that decision
0: that
1: you wanted to do that? Well, I knew it sounds a little ridiculous, but Vashon had a wonderful swimming pool. <laughs> and swimming was always my favorite sport. <laughs> and so that was one reason why I left. And it was closer to, I was closer to Vashon than I was to Sumner. Well, as I say, they were really wonderful. And I told you that my uh, maternal grandfather stressed education and owning land. And that's what most of his descendants have done. Now, my mother was born in 1880, and my father was born in 1876. So she had finished the eighth grade. And uh, my father didn't have that much education. They were taught to use their hands, and that came in quite handy too.
0: So, were their parents were their parents slaves? Hmm? Were their parents free, or were their parents slaves?
1: My uh, mother's father came over from the island of Madagascar as a slave. Then. But then uh, he worked in the house of the Roysters, and quite a bit of that land was willed to me. So that's why he had his descendants. And now my mother said she wasn't going back to Alabama, so she gave her property to her sister in law, who took care of her mother while she was in St. Louis. Okay. Um, well, what
0: did your parents, what do you feel that, that your parents passed on to you?
1: Well, they passed on so many good things. You see, when I grew up, I'm the youngest, uh, and every in of my family played music. My sister was given piano lessons and dancing lessons. I was given piano lessons and violin lessons. So I played the piano at the high school, and I played the violin in the school orchestra. My oldest sister had been playing for the Baptist church since she was seventeen. There are four denominations in my family. How did that come to be? Well, my mother said, uh, as long as you were serving God, God, that's all that mattered, and to join the church of your choice. Although I was reared in the Methodist church since I was six, I didn't join church until I joined the Episcopal church, and that was in 1936 and uh, my brother was Catholic. <laughs> so there are four denominations, my uh, That's a
0: wonderful thing to say to a child.
1: Well, that's, she said, uh, the, your choice. She said, your choice. That's right. And I, she was wise. I, I, I cannot understand. See, my parents married when they were 14 and 18. How he should have been so wise? She taught us how to do everything. When I entered the kindergarten, I knew how to write my name. And I knew how to print my name. I knew my ABCs and I could read some. Because in those days, St. Louis was number one in, in uh, the city as far as uh, school was concerned. I think one of the worst things they did was to take phonics out of the school system because I was reading on the fourth grade level when I was in the first grade.
0: Where did you live when you came here from East St. Louis? When we
1: moved the first place, that uh, we moved to 2228 Clark Avenue, that's where we first started renting. Then a year later, we moved to 3339 A. Lucas. That's where my father died very suddenly. And um, after that, my mother said she wanted to move away from the neighborhood. But that area was very, very nice.
0: What year did your father die?
1: My father died in 19, uh, let me get, 1929, because my sister died in 28 29. And, uh, but then we moved out there. But those homes- Tell me
0: about
1: them. they beautiful. Where we lived oh, was course. right on the corner of yeah. Shannon and Lucas. Oh, Shannon and Lucas. See? And I guess Channing Avenue in those days, I guess, would be the divide and line, or white and black. I had just been the white place. I had black communities. Until I went to the YMC or the Boy Scouts. You see, until I entered— So was
0: there a a little enclave of an integrated
1: neighborhood? The neighborhood was, uh-huh, but, uh But until I entered college, my life was centered around three areas—the YMCA, the Boy Scouts in church. Pine Street YMCA. Pine Street YMCA. I became a member of Pine Street Y when I was eight because of a teacher who taught in the elementary schools. She had a boys club at Union Memorial. Her name was Miss Arsenia uh, Williams. And uh, I attended Metropolitan, but my friends, who were nine and ten, I attended Union Memorial where they had a boys club. So I attended the boys, I asked my mother if I could go with them, so I went to the boys club there with them. And she was very instrumental in getting us, uh, getting me into, why when I was eight years old. And I remained there until I finished high school, Oh, yes. And they had a, s- a program telling. seven days a week at the YMCA, because I played the piano for Life Builders Club on Sundays. What? I f- Played the piano for, for Life Builders Club uh-huh. at the Pine Street YMCA. So that it, was every Sunday.
0: What was your school?
1: I, went, I graduated from Banica.' the sixth grade from Bannica. But
0: where did you start? Did you start from
1: Bannica? No. When we first moved over here, I went to Lincoln School, Lincoln on Eugenia. That was the uh, first year. And the next year, when we moved to 3339 A. Lucas, I went to Banneker, about just five blocks from Banneker. Now, you, you've
0: told me an awful lot of things, and, mm-hmm. and I want to go into each one of them, actually. Mm-hmm. So uh, let's, um, start with. Uh, let's keep stay with the neighborhoods.
1: You said that that was a Channing was a dividing line. It was like a just like uh, where Delmar Boulevard is now. Mm-hmm. That was called Morgan. Yes, that's what I It wasn't Delmar. I was named. I don't recall exactly what year Wait, it was, and it was changed to Delmar. And uh, but our neighborhood was very nice, very nice. And what was your couldn't have been better. I
0: mean, describe
1: it, I, you had, uh, when you walked in, and— Well, my mother saw that we had breakfast every morning. See, my mother's from the South, and they believed in cooking, and having—and sitting around the table having your breakfast and having your dinner, see. And so before we left, to go to school, we had to pass by her to see what we looked like before we got out of the house. So. It's just nice. If I had, if I had to select my parents, I would select the same too. That's very now they were very strict. Everybody read you in those days. Everybody in the neighborhood. If you did something nine blocks from home before you got home, your mother knew about it. Because we had a telephone since I was six, and somebody would call and tell her if I did anything wrong, and she didn't spare the rod either. I understand. Oh yeah, she didn't spare the run. She weighed about hundred and fifteen pounds, but she was the hardest hitting the hundred and fifteen pound lady here myself. So. And how was it how was it with the uh,
0: with the um, you said you had as many white playmates as you
1: did? That's where we live, but then you not go to the Y in the boys called a different situation. But we played ball, see it was a lot diagonally across the street from where I live. And we were out there playing ball and playing marbles all me. Fine. We had no problems. Um, and I know this sounds ridiculous, though, but um, after I got to be about eleven, so we used to play hide Spy. They called it hide and seek, but we always called it Hyatt Spy way back there. Do you know the mothers would, in the summertime, would come out and play and run to the bassist with us? And they were white. And...
0: And
1: All was... Oh, we had a nice time. It was really nice. The neighborhood was together. Um, your dad, what did he do when he got to come over? Oh my father, when he came over here, began to there was a cleat national laundry on Shining and the Cleat. He fired the boilers for that. And each time they offered him more money he went to a different job. So his last job was a janitor, where he had to fire the ballers and everything else to be shut in winter time and she would see that everybody when they awakened they would be warm enough. And yeah, I guess it was a middle class, right. And then uh, Was this
0: he, in their homes,
1: right? It was a large apartment house. The pay streetcar turned right there, the 6101 Etzel. The pay streetcar made his turn to go back east. And I could get off the streetcar and go into the place where he worked. If he had to get up too early in the morning, like 4.30 or 5, to be out there to fire those borders. And uh, then- my mother would give me his breakfast to take to him on the streetcar, and I'd drop it on the streetcar, and the streetcar would put me off right in front of the where I had attended school mm-hmm. when I came back.
0: Where did you learn that there was a difference in, in, that, that being a different color made a difference?
1: There were certain places we couldn't go. Just as I mentioned to you, I was the page, the last page at the St. Louis Theater, which is now Powell Symphony Hall. And uh, after the Depression was just beginning then, that was in 28, they were just beginning to feel the pinch. So they let out quite a number of the ushers, and many of the ushers were boys that were attending St. Louis U, making a little extra money to stay in school. And then in June, because I wanted to go back to camp again, uh, they s- stopped having the page. So I went to Camp Rivercliff and stayed the whole summer. And when I returned, I went back to the St. Louis Theater and worked backstage. In those days, the performers had to play three shows seven days a week. And then I made extra tips by going to the dressing rooms to see if they wanted any refreshments. And that's, I wonder where I put that, that letter. Sure I that's one of the things I want to show you about the letter that, i put them in here. I'll oh, look it how much you do Well, I'll tell you, I made $10 a week, and when I go salary. to the, that was my salary, $10 a week.
0: And you were how old,
1: let uh, Let's see, when I I was 16. And then. so? so. And and then the well, so
0: this was uh, 1928. I
1: graduated in January of 1928. Yeah, but this is what we're talking about
0: 1928.
1: Right. It's 1928 now. I was getting money to go to school at Ohio State, and I entered that in January of 1929, so it was. So, uh, anyway, i mean, I knock on the door, and I saw some of the very best of vaudeville, and met some of the best actors we ever had. And Ms. Tucker was one of them, Sophie Tucker. When i knocked knock on her door, she never wanted anything. And she asked me one day, uh, what are you planning to do with your life? I said, well, I'm going to be a high school teacher, an American Irish teacher. And each, for seven days, she never, I knocked on her door, she never gave me, never wanted anything. But anyway, when they got ready to leave, You know, they had their luggage that they had to put in the cab to take them to go to the next place where they were going to perform. Uh, When I got let leave, she gave me a five dollar bill. And that was half of my week's salary. And I told her, I said, well, I don't have any change. She didn't know that's for you. So, and I told her, so, she was performing at Chase Park Plaza Hotel. Now, this is 1964. And I don't usually write fan letters, but I want to let her know that I had accomplished just what I had told her I was going to do. So I wrote this letter, and this is the letter that she wrote back to me, and sent this. I told you about yes. the Arthur Ashe. Now he uh, was here as captain of the Davis Tennis Cup, you recall when he was here, but I had to be out of town. So I used to wrote a little note. I hadn't seen him about ten years. I wrote a little note and told him I would like to have seen him, but I had to be out of town. And when he got back to Washington, D.C., he sent this letter. Now tell me Before I read this, tell me how you knew Arthur Ashe. I taught him. I told him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. him his senior math and trigonometry. And, uh, And I was at three, at Sumner High School. Oh, at Sumner. See, I I didn't go to Vishon until 1969. Okay. And you said
0: this was in?
1: Uh, He was at—he wrote this while I was still at um, Vishon. I was teaching at Vishon when he wrote that letter. What's the date on there? The date is
0: 82?
1: Oh, no. I had retired. I retired maybe one.
0: Dear Mr. Hamilton, it is great to hear from you again after all these years. I think I remember a note from you maybe ten years ago at some point in time. I guess quite a few things have happened to me since we last corresponded. I've retired from active tennis due to my heart attack three years ago, but I remain quite active doing a whole host of things, and at present don't need So I was glad also to hear that you are giving well. please believe me when I tell you that I retain fond memories of my nine months at Sumner High School in St. Louis. Again, thanks for your note. Sincerely, Arthur R. Ash. Mm-hmm. You didn't need any more challenges. No, I'm mm-hmm.
1: what, what, what was he like then? He was an excellent student one of the best, I recall. See, I, I demanded quite a bit from my students. I gave a test every Friday.
0: You were?
1: Gave tests to all my class every Friday. And I, I had a way of receiving them. And uh, they also had to have a notebook, extra work, supplemental work out of the textbooks that they had. So when he went to Florida, I think it was the first time he went away to participate out of town, I said, now, Arthur, when you were, uh, Relaxing, you be sure you take my trig book with you. <laughs> <laughs> I said, I don't want you to fall down in any of your subjects. But uh, it was a very nice person. Very long. And I, I didn't bring that, but I have his high school graduation picture in my big book that I have. Just Kids will give you pictures when they graduate. And his is in this book, it's about that big. Thing just to know him. Oh yes, he was—he was really a nice person. We all liked about everyone too. He's even more than that. I think there's
0: there
1: was something such a grace about him. Yes, really Poise. he had it, was and he got along with everyone, the students as well as his teachers. And he worked hard. He studied hard. As well as playing tennis.
0: Um, uh, your school, your grammar school. Uh, well, At Banneker. That's, I'm still in the neighborhood. Okay. That's um, all right. W- where did were there any shops or stores in that area?
1: Plenty. Um, now, since the house I where we live. We were on the third floor. It had been we're talking the,
0: Lucas and Channing.
1: Channing and Lucas. Now, it was a very large building. It had been a mansion at one time. A mansion. It had seven floors. I said seven. Seven rooms on the third floor where we lived, and six on the second floor. And they had a banister about that wide, about a foot wide. They left from the second floor down, and I wrote on that thing until I was too big. <laughs> to right. But the,
0: Did each family had a floor.
1: Yeah. It was two families. My mm-hmm. f- parents, we, had, we were on the third floor, mm-hmm. and there's another family downstairs on the second floor. And
0: what was
1: the first floor? Uh, oh, grocery, you asked about there oh, store. The it the, was a grocery okay. store there. It's difficult
0: to see. Okay. You go down
1: to yes, yeah. and um, of course, in those days, you didn't have to pay for three cents on the streetcar. Three cents. But my friends and I, We see, they didn't have such a thing as a radio in those days. We read all the time. And uh, my friend and I would go to the library, and we could take out two books up to the time you were twelve. After twelve, you could take out as many books as you wanted to. But in the summertime, we read just about a book a day. And we would skate, believe it or not, from Shannon and Lucas down to Fourteenth and Ollie's.
0: Roller skate?
1: Mm-hmm. Because um, they didn't have as many automobiles, mm-hmm. and then the sidewalks were nice, and we, some of the streets were nice. Mm-hmm. Then later on, we rode our bicycles down to the library after yeah, we got you know, older. Did and
0: you have pretty much what you needed, or were there things that you? I mean, you're
1: talking roller skates and you're talking bicycles. I'm going to be honest with you. I had just about everything that any little boy would want to have. And my f- father idolized my sister. And I loved my sister too. But I knew that uh, if I wanted something right away, I, all I had to do was say, I bet if the little sister you get it. Get some? And he'd feel guilty and he'd get it. <laughs> but he walked all the way. He got my sister a bicycle. And she was twelve, and I was nine. And and a, I think he worked at 6101 S for this large apartment house. Mm-hmm. And he had a, a kitchen, bedroom, bathroom, everything, in the building. Cause when he did? Yeah. When he came out of that place, he didn't come home when it was too cold. He'd stay there. That's why I'd take his lunch sometime. But when he left there, he'd he, he look like a doctor or a lawyer. But, uh, he had everything at his disposal there that any person would need in a home. And when it got cold, sometimes my mother, being the youngest, my mother would take me out there, and we'd spend the night out there. The
0: three of you? Hmm? That's three of you, you and your mom and,
1: and your my dad. And my oldest sister took care of my young sister in the right of the house. But it was, uh, it was really nice.
0: Was there any time for anything
1: on a families doing anything? My yeah. mother took us everywhere. We talked I guess because she married early and she was young with us too. Well we saw all of the circuses. Uh, we went to show every Saturday up until we went to show with our mother on Saturday, one o'clock the Criterion. It's club been closed for years. It wasn't, until she reached twelve, and then she wanted to go to the show with her friends. So my mother would let her go with her friends. Then when I reached twelve, I was a, a boy scout then, I was at the Y, then I wanted to go to the show with my friends on Saturday instead of going. But uh, it was just nice. She let go. She always, she let go. She let go? Of us. uh uh-huh. She let See? you go. Oh, yes. Because we had been, I say, reared to take care of ourselves. How how was
0: that?
1: We were taught, I, we were taught how to do just about everything. For example, uh, I was taught, in fact, they had sewing for boys and dancers like they had for girls. I knew how to cook. I knew how to sew. I knew how to wash. I knew how to iron. I knew how to do all those things, even though I was a boy. She said, a boy needs to know these things just as well as a girl. And it came in handy. sure did, right now, probably. Yeah, because years later, I uh, made extra money cooking every other Saturday at Fairmont Racetrack. I made their pies over there. Hmm. That's when I was holding two jobs. And uh, I was teaching school during the day at Somnum working the post office night. They didn't call me to teach until 1945. But not as a uh, probationary, just as a substitute. And I told them that uh, I couldn't give up my job, my regular job at the post office, to be a substitute teacher. So they said, if you feel you can do both, we'd be glad to have you. So I did that for two years. I taught Sunday during the day. I went to the post office at night. And now there were teachers who were as temporary substitutes down at the post office too. But I did until finally, I know word gets around, so they said that uh, Miss O'Donnell was the lady in the personnel division. She called me in, said, you have to make a choice. I was supposed to have been the only one that was good only term in the post office. office, there was su- substituting, but they had many teachers who were teaching substituting in the post We were getting the same checks. So after I got it, I called the principal, and uh, he said- why, uh, did she, why did
0: you have to stop that? I mean, it, it wasn't- what, what was- why did she want you to-
1: Quit? Quit. All I can see is she thought I was making too much money. She was way upstairs in the office someplace. Mm-hmm. You know how people can talk. Well, anyway, that was on October the 9th, 1947. I can't forget it. Cause to, to me, teaching was recreation. It's not like today, I guess, but uh, postdoc was work. I enjoyed my years of teaching. And I worked at the postdoc because I had a family to support. Cause my, when we got married, my wife graduated from Ohio State a year before I did. And but after we started the family, she didn't go back to work for 10 years. I took, I her to see that those children were real properly. So she didn't go back to work until all three of the children were in school. So I had to Okay, so
0: it's October
1: 9th. Oh, on October 9th is when she told me and, and uh, I went to school, it must, I, mean, I went to school must have been the eighth, I guess you told me, because I went to school and told the principal that I couldn't remain any longer, even though I was a temporary servant. The Missouri State Teachers Association was meeting here, and I was chairman of that. So the principal called me in and asked me.
0: So you told him? Right. I, t- the post I had
1: to. That was my, post office, my permanent job. He said, will you please, I'm, he let me leave school, go down and ask her if she'll just let you remain under the Missouri State Teachers Association. I went down there to talk to her on October the 9th. She said, you quit as of today. So I went back. So I was really, Person. Then I start working on my master's degree. So I went to University had to, of Illinois. You had to leave
0: the no, I did
1: this on on Saturdays. But you had to leave the. I had to stop teaching. Mm-hmm. Substitute teaching.
0: Did we ascertain
1: what year this was? Uh, that was 1945, 46, and forty-seven. So now you're at going back to school. Yes, and then I is yes. and and. Uh, Mr. Miller, who was at the Board of Education upstairs, and uh, Miss Ellerbrick, I really guess her. So she had heard my voice since 1935, and then when I uh, they made me quit my voice on the telephone, oh. asking about chances of getting a job in the teaching profession, I was there. She was there with Hickey and all the others that followed Hickey. So. Um, uh, when I went to school, Southern Illinois, I went to school and at um, Belleville until I had managed to get all the hours that I needed there. And all I needed was eight hours for two summers to be on the campus. So I asked one of the foremen at the post office, I said, you think they'd allow me to have my compensatory time and so I could go to school on that weekend? He said, Hamilton, I'm sure they'll let you do that. I wrote upstairs. The letter that they sent me said, no, some of the older employees might complain. They didn't know that I even existed. So then I was uh, so upset about the situation, then Mr. Uh, Eugene Davenport said, uh, Melvin, I'm not going to let you quit. Now, who was Eugene Davenport? He taught at Sumner. He taught at Sumner High School I taught. And he was a, a very good history teacher. And uh,
0: an older gentleman? Yes. And he didn't want you to quit teaching?
1: He wanted me to get my master's degree. He didn't want me to—I had done everything except that Work on campus. Well,
0: when he said he didn't want you to quit, what what's
1: uh, wrong? He he was he didn't want to... me to stop, uh, give up on getting my master's degree. So he took me out to see Mr. John J. Kessler. You probably know him. He lived in University City. And uh, oh, that's when they told me that uh, I couldn't do this, get that. Uh, work on the campus by leaving my, with my compensatory time. And I was really upset then, really, truly upset when he said he was not going to let me give up on it. So he took, they were just admitting them at the Washington University then, I guess. So he took me out to see Mr. John J. Kessler in the University City. And uh, I was admitted to the University, of Washington University. So then I stayed there for over a year, and I got my degree in August of 1951.
0: So you were one of the first, uh, like,
1: students? Not the first, but there weren't yeah. too many there. Most no. of the time I was the only one in there, but just the same. I got it in '51. How was your
0: treatment
1: out there? Very nice. Except, oh, every now and then you find a teacher that was through prejudice or something, but you have to overlook those things if you want something. And I had one that, uh, a Dr. Scott, I'll never forget him. One course I had to, to take was individual testing and we had to test 21 students. My daughter was in grade school then. And I tested quite a number of the students at uh, Cobrian School then I took a young man out to Washington University on the campus and tested him. And he talked about what I had done. This professor talked about what I had done. See I was the only African American in the, that particular class. And I had completed, or oh, about 15 or 16 of those tests then. And most of the others hadn't done very much at all. Then I completed mine. Then my papers. I wrote, uh, I I still have some at home. I just threw all of them away. And he told us at the last time not to make it too long. And what he did, I only typed about 14 double spaced pages. I tried to condense as much as I could. And then after. When the grades came in, I had done more than I made also in that class. When the grades came in, I left a card for him, to send it to me. He was, did you put my grade on it? When I got my card, it had B plus on it. I was a real man. So the next day, I went to his office. And he said, you came to see me about your, I said, yes, I did. I said, yes, I did. I said, what's the difference between a B plus and an A minus? I said, those plus and minus signs aren't going to show up on the transcript. I said, what was it that I didn't do? Well, uh, your paper, you could have written more pages on the paper, you told us not to write too much about it. I said, okay. So later on, when I got ready to take my orals. Oh, before I wanted to tell him what I thought about him, I checked myself, and I just stopped. I, didn't, I went on back. I said, now nah, that man might be on my orals board at Washington University. Sure enough, he was on my orals board. And uh, of course, Dr. Unruh, swell person, do you know Dr. Unruh? Unruh? U N H, or U N R U H. Well, he was running my teeth. He said, "Now, when you go in the Hampton, or whatever, just be calm and composed. Just answer the question. So, Doctor Scott asked me a question. I said, "I don't know anything about that. I never had that course." And then Doctor Ernst said, "No, Hampton hasn't had that course. Now, if they're on your old board, they're supposed to know every subject, that, every course that you've had." But anyway, I passed. That was the main thing. I got my master's degree in August of 1951. Then, when I went back, oh, when I went down to the board before I did and got my master's, talking to Mr. Miller, and he said, "Hamilton, you go back and get that master. We need teachers like you in the St. Louis public school system." So when I did get it, I went downtown. Did you know Mr. De Kroger? He has passed now, but he was De Kroger.
0: De
1: Kroger? De Kroger. Mm-hmm. Anyway, he was well he was downstairs, he was quite prejudiced. Anyway, I walked in there. So the beginning salary had gone to twenty six hundred dollars a year. And uh, they gave me a thousand dollars. For my teaching experience, where I tell for, for they give you, uh, two I think it's I know, they give you two hundred dollars for each year, something like that. So when I went to to before him, he said some first, Mr. Mills I said I may be over forty. By then I was not I said I may be. He said, well, don't worry about your age. So then I went on and got my master's degree. When i been up down there, the Grove was sitting just like you are. He sat in front of me, he said, uh, uh you are close to 40? I said, yes, Mr. Miller told me not to worry about age. And I didn't see Miss Ellenbrook do this, but she got up from her desk and went upstairs and brought Mr. Miller back downstairs to where Mr. D. Kroger was interviewing me. And when Mr. D. saw him, he said, you tell him not to worry about it? He said, yes, I did. I said, he said that we need teachers like him in this public school system.
0: And all these people were white.
1: Yes. Anyway, uh, when he got ready to make out my uh, salary and everything, see, the salary going to 2600 you 24. I said, Mr. with the beginning salary, now 26. You'll take 24. I hadn't gone through all that trouble for, for $200. So I started with 34. See, but the thousand that I got oh. to teaching was 34. Now, I left the post office where I was making 44.71. They come into the public school system for thirty-six hundred dollars. But I knew I'd find some way to make up the difference. And what was it? Well, let's see, I uh, got a job teaching veterans after school, from six to nine. I taught veterans at uh, uh, Washington Tech, veterans. They got. They were trying to get their high school diploma. So
0: yes, after the Second
1: World War. II. Mm-hmm. After the Second World War time, so I taught them from. So that, they the
0: GI Bill.
1: So they could go to college yeah. under the GI Bill, so they could go to college if they wanted to. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: I want to ask you something. You worked so hard to get what you wanted, and you had such determination. And a couple of times when you felt that they were trying to stop you, you used words like. Hurt or upset.
1: Yes. But, but it still didn't keep them getting what I want. No, it did. <laughs>
0: but 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 uh, hurt and upset is is um. Uh, uh, it sounds like. Uh, where was the anger?
1: Because I wasn't treated like. No. Where like was,
0: I, was the anger? I know why it was the. Oh. Anger. But see, you're using hurt and upset, and I, I'm wondering.
1: Because. They were doing that to me. No, I know
0: that. I know that. But Mm -hmm. you're not using, I was angry. I was angry. I was angry because they were doing what they did. I know, but you used words like uh, like, uh, hurt and upset, which are mild compared to what your feelings probably were.
1: Probably so. They probably were. But those words, I was hurt. And I was angry when they told me those certain things, when they did certain things to me that they wouldn't have done if I had been white. And, uh, and to show you something about after.
0: I think what I want to know is how do you contain that? How do you contain that anger
1: or? Instead of letting it out?
0: Yes. It wouldn't do any
1: good to let it out. I can feel angry at you, <laughs> with you, but I wouldn't you wouldn't know it. See, that's what I mean. I knew there was nothing on earth that I could do about the situation. And just as I tell my children, I say, if you have a problem, and there's any way possible that you can do something about that problem, do it. But if you have another problem, and you know there's nothing on God's earth that you can do, forget it. But things gonna happen just the same anyway. And you'll be happier that way. If I hadn't forgotten some of those things, I'd probably be an insane asylum the way I was you. But I'm just not made that way. I wasn't reared that way.
0: Was there things that your mother said that taught you that? You said, go back to uh, there were things that you couldn't do as a child. There were things that you could do as a child found them, you know, at the River Cliff camp and the things that— Yes. But there were things that you couldn't do. And, and what was it that you couldn't I do? I don't
1: know what I couldn't do, really. I knew well, only you, thing. You I couldn't, go to, I couldn't, couldn't go, go to the shows, I couldn't go to them. the shows and things, and there's certain places that uh, they didn't want me, I didn't want any of us. That, mm-hmm. but, but that didn't bother me, because I would—as far as I was concerned, my life was fine. I had excellent parents, and I had very good friends. I had very good classmates, and I had wonderful teachers. They were very special. In fact, uh, my French teacher—she's passed now—Miss Goldie E. Crutcher was my uh, freshman French teacher. Second semester, she was very, very strict and uh, everything had to be just about perfect. We spoke it fluently, and we wrote it, and we had a lot of reading to do. We read orally. So, um, when I entered um, Ohio State, you had to pay twelve dollars for an examination. And uh, my room at the YMCA, most of the Boys to the YMCA if they just couldn't stay in private homes. And it was three dollars a week. So I just think now Sumner's been accredited for many years. Now Vashon wasn't old enough to be accredited. So I wrote to Ohio State University. And I asked myself, Well do I have to take I'm not worried about the examiner, but do I have to take the examination? I attended Sumner for three years. So they wrote a nice letter back and said if they would admit you to the University of Missouri, if you could go, we would be happy to admit you here without an examination. So I wrote to the University of Missouri. The University of Missouri sent me a very nice letter that I sent to Ohio State University and they sent a letter saying, you don't have to take an examination. But
0: you couldn't go to the University of Missouri? No.
1: No, we couldn't go But you could have
0: gotten in if you…
1: If I could have gone… the your universe.
0: grades were good
1: enough to get in, but you couldn't get in. No. If, being an African American, I couldn't go to the University of Missouri. Right. But they were saying, if I were white, I'll right. say it that yes, way. Yes,
0: your grades were good
1: enough. And my grades, were, they would be glad to have me at University of Missouri. And when I sent a back to O.A. University, they sent me a nice letter. They said, no, you don't have to take any form in the, um, in the examination. and then. In the College of Education at Ohio State University, uh, you had to have a year of foreign language. My French was so good then that I didn't have to take any foreign language at all. Now those were the types of teachers that we had in St. Louis. At Sumner?
0: Hmm? At
1: Sumner? At Sumner. And a half year at, uh, at Vashon, but it's, most of my schooling was at Sumner High School.
0: So. Tell me about some of those teachers, or who they were, what their names were. Can you remember? Oh, yes. I'm asking you, you're 81, I'm asking you to go back on an awfully
1: That's all. I had some excellent teachers. I think, of course, Miss Crutcher, Goldie e. Crutcher. She was my French teacher. Goldie? Golda, G-O-L-D-A. Golda. G-O-L-D-A,
0: Golda?
1: Estelle Crutcher. And uh, that was Mr. Walter Skinner, who was my physics teacher. And there was Mr. R. P. Watts, who was my homeroom teacher and English teacher. And Mr. Dreer was tough. Herman Dreer, you've probably heard of Mr. Herman Dreer. I do know his wife, his uh, daughter. Clary's, No, uh, Vivian, yes. Now, he was very special. He was my senior English teacher. And when he would write those book reports you report on, he had read every book that you saw on the black and you had to get that report orally. And after you gave a book report, he quizzed you on something else you read in a second. They showed you how much knowledge he had. Mr. Driver's chops. tops.
0: What did those people try and teach you besides what was in the classroom?
1: Well, let's see, I was on, the, that was Jim. No, I don't uh, mean that,
0: th- but I mean a, a way of life or a philosophy or, or how did they, in other words, you know, you, you, your age, your generation was up against a lot, and here you were at a fine school with really, I think, probably the finest teachers in the fine city, city. At yep. the, at and the that country time. too. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Because they were should have been teaching in colleges.
1: Because mm-hmm. some of them and, went to <laughs> Yale, Harvard. In fact, I read in one of my sociology. Uh, class at Ohio State University. I wrote a paper on the St. Louis public school system. See, they had four different areas then, college-bound and three others. I can't think right now. now. Yeah. And we were well prepared. We were well prepared.
0: But being well prepared, it didn't always allow you the opportunities. Did they talk about the opportunities or the way of life, in trying to get what you wanted, did
1: you? You just had to work hard. Now being a Boy Scout, and being in church, and being in the YMCA, all of those spiritual values were there too. We had all of that. I
0: guess I'm talking about a way of handling what was out there that, that was going to be difficult for you, like you're having to wait all this time and go through all this business with these people at the Board of Education. Oh, you
1: learned that through the years, and then your parents. My mother really was a disciplinarian, and she also uh, told us and taught us so much.
0: What, what was the so much that got
1: you? Well, you live by the golden rule, and, and uh, you don't give up easily. And uh, if you want something, keeps keep striving for it. And uh, you're not going to get anything. God who gets ready for you to have it. Those were some of the words, and then things like that. She wouldn't let us get too morbid about things
0: because it, you could have
1: yes, if you were deprived of certain things. But I had too much fun growing up with my friends. I, I wasn't uh, too worried about those places that I couldn't go. And they didn't mean that much to me. Were you living in, in Mill Creek? Well, I'll say we lived about 33 blocks from the uh, river. From That's the river. just two blocks east of Grand. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't way down there. Right. Now, the Pine Street, YMCA was in the Mill Creek area. That was on Pine Street? Pine in, and
0: Ewing. In, in
1: hmm But... Uh,
0: so what would
1: you like, midtown? I guess you would call it that. Uh, we are two blocks uh, east of Grand Avenue. I guess you would call that. Uh, but they would call it downtown. They used to say if you live east of Grand, that was downtown.
0: Yes.
1: That's what they used to say a long time. ago. Yeah, right, midtown would be like Union, I'm, I'm mixed up. Uh huh.
0: Um, yes, east of Grand. Since you brought that up. Uh, what is there? I've heard east of Grand and west of Grand.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: could you talk about that
1: and what Well, that, they just had some little, um, now the Ellersville YMCA, they had a little YMCA there. The what? Ellersville. Oh, Ellersville? Ellersville.
0: Oh, Ellersville
1: had a YMCA? Yeah, that, it was called Ellersville Y, it was YMCA, but, it's, but they had to come down to Pine Street right to, to swim. Their little room was about uh, four times as large as this, but we had karaoke table, pool What's table. That? Oh, now karaoke is a game that's played on the pool, t- it's a, you yeah. know, you play croquette with the mallet? Croquet, yeah. Cro- well, that's, uh, it's played on a pool table, though, but it has little wickets, just like on play, uh, like croquette, mm-hmm. And, uh, they had everything down there. Swimming, everything was right there. And then we played ball. The playground was right on Lawton and, and, uh, left and well. You go down the alley and you reach it. We went over there, we played ball. Then we played ball on Grand and, uh, Grand and Market down in that hole. There used to be a big hole down there. We'd so we, we had a lot of fun. Clean fun. In fact, there was a nine o'clock curfew in those days. It blew on Showalter Avenue, I believe, and you had to be home at nine o'clock.
0: The curfew for who?
1: Children. Yes, indeed. You had to be home uh, by nine o'clock in front of that just house back Out at nine o'clock.
0: Today. Oh, that's
1: right. It's a different story now, but
0: we'll get to that. No. Okay. So, so you had to be home.
1: At nine o'clock in front of the house. And then summertime you could stay up until ten because we would be right in front of the house. We mm-hmm. could play games out there. We didn't have to go to school in the morning. Were you a ball player?
0: Big yeah, ball we
1: player? played ball.
0: What did you play?
1: What What business? We played uh, indoor ball. I was the worst basketball player on earth. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> indoor <laughs> ball and league ball. What's that like, uh, ball? You
0: mean soccer?
1: No, it's they uh, call the ball that you use in baseball, they call them leg ball. I should say baseball but I should say.